Hello, and welcome to the Laverne Church of Christ podcast, and thank you for joining us. You can find us at 244 Old Nashville Highway, Laverne, Tennessee, 37086. We hope that any time you are in the area, you will stop by and join us for worship. Our Sunday morning worship is at 9 a.m., with Bible classes following. Our Sunday evening worship is at 6 p.m., and we also have a Bible study on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Today, I'll be reading 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 through 15. According to, the gra- <coughs> According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another build on it. But let each one take heed how he build, it, build on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each, one, each one's works will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of, what's, of what sort it is. If anyone works which he has built on, it endures. He receives a reward. If anyone... W- If anyone's work is buried, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Good evening, everyone. Hope everyone has had a wonderful Easter holiday. I hope hope that you've had time to spend with family today, and if not, I'm glad that you chose to be with church family anyway. And uh, as we have been doing on Sunday nights now, uh, this year we are continuing our series by the book where we are taking our lessons from the letters to the Church of Christ at Corinth, First and Second Corinthians in your Bible. And uh, in order to catch us up, because we've made a little bit of journey in this series so far now, uh, just to kind of by way of review, First Corinthians so far, what we have covered this year. And this is just a paraphrase in my own word, simple words of what the Apostle Paul has shared and what he has talked about so far. First of all, he started the letter by saying, y'all are great, God loves you, and I do too. That's the gist of how that Paul starts this letter. Secondly, he says, y'all are divided. That's a problem. And he begins then to say that that is a symptom of your way of thinking which is a worldly, a fleshly, an unspiritual way of thinking. And that needs to be corrected. And he tells them how he knows that they're thinking in a worldly way. Reminds us of Jesus. Jesus said, you'll know them by their fruits. And Paul's just following suit with that mentality. He's saying, I know that you're worldly minded because of the fruits that it is producing. You are evaluating each other's value to the community, that is to the Christian community, to the church, the same way the worldly people do. In other words, those who can perform signs or those who have this special wisdom. In other words, anybody that you think is better than other people or that you want to follow the person that you think is top dog, that's who you're following. And Paul says that's the worldly way of evaluating people. It's not Christ's way. And as a result, you're reaping the world's harvest, which equals strife. And that's where we left off last week. 
And that's the summary of what Paul has shared. So now we come in our series uh, again now to the third chapter of 1 Corinthians, but our, our text tonight is verses 10 through 15. So I want to start just with uh, verses 10 and 11. So read with me if you would. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Now, Paul is talking about the fact that he was the one that the Holy Spirit led to the city of Corinth in order to establish the church there. And he came, and through his teaching, through discipleship, through shaping the lives of the people who were willing to listen to him, he was able to lay the foundation of the church there. And he's using this illustration like he is a builder, building a great building, a great monument. He's using that as an illustration. He's saying, I laid the foundation and then I had to move on to other projects. But after I left, other folks have come in and they've built upon that foundation. Now, before we move any farther, let's anchor this in the context. Does this passage have general applications that can apply to all kinds of things in the church in every age? Yes, indeed it does. But in order to make those applications correctly, we need to practice good exegesis skills. In other words, we need to come to the text and we need to make sure that we're interpreting it in its context. Now, what has Paul been talking about? He's been talking about these wonderful, great people that he loves and Jesus loves, but that don't think the way that they ought to, and therefore they've got problems. And the reason is because of bad leadership. So when Paul brings this up, he's saying, folks have built upon the foundation that I laid in a less than responsible way. They have not been wise master builders, skilled master builders in the way that they've built, and thus we have the problem. So now Paul is going to teach them a very important lesson about this. This is going to apply to the folks that are building, right, as Paul writes this letter, the, fo the folks that are leading the church that are building upon the foundation, the apostolic foundation that Paul laid, they need to hear this message. And, and, and understanding then what was going on then so that we get the message, we then can apply this teaching to the church in every generation. The principle is going to be applicable. It's going to be true. So Paul says, no one can lay a foundation. He says, let, let each one take care how he builds upon it. And we ought to just stop there for just a brief second and heed that apostolic instruction. In other words, as a member of the Lord's church, you are influencing the development of the heart of the church, of the life of the church in some way or another, Right? If you're here, you are either contributing or you are contaminating. We've talked about that before. There's no middle ground. Either you are building up the church or you're tearing the church down. And if you are both building up the church and tearing it down, you're tearing it down because the tearing it down is going to have the stronger and more lasting effect. And therefore, you've got to take care You've got to think about the way that you behave yourself, conduct yourself, the way that you speak, and the way that you act around your brothers and sisters in Christ. You cannot come into the Lord's church and just act in whatever old way your nature or your feelings direct you to act and be acting responsibly so far as the development of that church is concerned. And sadly, there are too many Christians that haven't learned that lesson. So he says, let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. There's rule number one. This is Jesus' house. It's his church. 
He is the truth. He is the way. He is the life. He is the light of the world. He is the embodiment of our doctrine. He is everything that we believe in. You either lay the foundation of Jesus or you're not laying the true foundation at all. And if you've laid the foundation of Jesus, then you need to build Jesus on top of that. So if what you're doing is selfish, that's not Jesus. Jesus is the antithesis of selfishness. If what you're doing is ambitious because you want to promote yourself or further yourself, or maybe you just want to make sure that you get your way anytime that there is a disagreement. Again, it's not Jesus. It's not His way. That's not the foundation that the church is built upon. And if you're building upon that foundation with those kinds of worldly ways of thinking, you're doing it wrong. And this is what Paul is drawing our attention to. And so... Uh, we just want to think about the fact that, well, Jesus Christ is the foundation of Christian life and of the church. And what Paul is teaching is that each one of us need to build our lives upon the foundation of Christ. Now, our context is specifically about Christian community, the assembly, the local congregation. But, but the way that you influence the local congregation is a product of the whole way that you are approaching being a disciple of Christ. The whole way that you are thinking and speaking and living your life Sunday through Saturday every single week. You're not going to succeed in being a hypocrite and somehow able to be successful with that. Hypocrites are never successful. Do you understand that? Hypocrites are never successful. They cannot be because their own minds are a house divided against itself. And Jesus has already said that house cannot stand. Someone can play the game for a little while and maybe get away with it and fool a few people. But eventually, as God uh, said through Moses in the book of Numbers, uh, be sure your sin will find you out. The Holy Spirit will see to it that you're exposed. You see what? If you think that you can just live in whatever way pleases you Monday through Saturday and then come in Sunday and build up the church, it's just not going to work. So your life, school, work, your, your church life, your home life, all of that needs to be built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And, and I'll tell you, friends, if you take Jesus Christ out of the picture, you're floating in midair and waiting to fall. Because there is no other foundation that can be laid. And you need to listen to the Apostle Paul when he's saying that. He's not just saying, well, in Christianity, you, you know, if you want to plant a church... Make sure you plant it on the foundation of Jesus. But hey guys, hey Christians, if you want to go out there and do business in the world, you want to start a business and be an entrepreneur, you can establish that on whatever foundation you want. It'll be fine. And I do think that there are Christians that think that way. Well, Paul's saying, no, that won't work either. It, it, you build a foundation on Jesus if you want anything to last and anything to succeed at all. So you build the foundation of your career on Jesus. You build the foundation of your home life, your family upon Jesus. You build the foundation of your own way of thinking and everything that you say and do upon the foundation of Jesus or else it is you're building your, your house on sand. And any of you that have grown up in Bible school and you know, you know the song, <laughs> you know how that ends, don't you? And Paul is going to affirm that very lesson here in this chapter. So picking back up on our readings then, verse 12. Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw. Remember, Paul's using an illustration. This is just a symbolic way to talk about 
building up the Christian community of the church. And so any of you that are members of the church, if you're building up your brothers and sisters in Christ, if you're doing the work of evangelism in some way, teaching our Bible classes, working in, uh, in, in our benevolence program, our Tuesday, Thursday school, just going out in, in your school and your work and you're trying to influence people for Christ or maybe you're taking food to somebody that needs it or helping them with their yard work or going to visit the sick or in, or in prison, whatever you're doing, in order to serve Jesus Christ. You're building upon the foundation. And Jesus is concerned about the building materials that you're using. It's his church. And he wants it to be built out of fine stuff. And so he says, if anyone builds on the foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, verse 13, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it. This is judgment day. Judgment day will disclose the manner of work that you have built upon the foundation of Christ. Notice what he says. Because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. And this principle is something that is repeated numerous times in Scripture. Uh, certainly 2 Peter chapter 3 is one that comes to mind. The whole of the message of First and Second Thessalonians are surrounding this idea. The understanding that the present heavens and earth are stored up, fire is stored up, and they will be judged, they will be cleansed, purified by fire on the last day. And the Apostle Paul is tapping into this teaching, and he's saying that fire is going to reveal the kind of work that you have done in the church. And, and I want us to make sure that we make this very personal. So as you're hearing these words in this letter, don't just think as, well, this is an abstract thought, and this is just a doctrinal truth, or this is a Christian principle that it would be good to think about. Instead, think, Paul is talking to me. To me. You say, me for you. I will stand before Jesus one day. And the quality of my service for him, the work that I've done for the kingdom, will be revealed in that refining fire. And, and perhaps this is a symbol, but it teaches us that everything that we do, the Lord is, is going to test the quality of that work. And we are going to stand before Jesus and we're going to face either his approval or his disapproval, his satisfaction or his dissatisfaction. Now notice uh, verse 14, uh, what the Apostle Paul will say here. If the work anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. You remember 1 Corinthians 15, 58, which of course, Lord willing, will eventually preach on in this series. But the Apostle Paul says, uh, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. You know, sometimes we separate things in our minds more than we should. We separate uh, the sacred from the secular. We separate religion from the rest of the world, of our lives that we say are not, you know, directly doing church things. Or, you know, we talk about physicality and spirituality as if those two concepts are somehow, uh, you know, the antithesis of each other, which nothing could be farther from the truth. And as a result, we, we, we think somehow that everything we're doing here really is temporary at best and that we get the idea that everything that we do is going to be burned up. And I've definitely heard preaching and teaching on that subject that, that leans in, in the direction of teaching that, that, well, it's just everything is going to burn up. It's all going to be burned up. Everything you've done is going to be burned up. It's all going to be burned up. I 
just challenge you to prove that from Scripture because you can't do it. The Bible does not teach that. This passage tells us that the refining fire of God's judgment has a purpose of, yes, burning up everything that God is, is, that His wrath is directed against, those things that have fallen short of His glory, those things that are tainted by sin. But one of the things that God intends to do in judgment is highlight the successes of His people because He wants to reward His people for what they have done for Him. Brothers and sisters, that is the bottom line of this text and so Paul says, if, any, if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Now, I would be remiss if I did not say that there was considerable disagreement in the brotherhood about how to interpret and apply this passage. There certainly is considerable disagreement about it. And I intend to be fair about that disagreement this evening, but I'm also going to share with you what I believe that this passage means. Now, first of all, we have these elements. We have gold, we have silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw. And, and these are, within Paul's illustration, within his symbol, the, the, the tools that we can use, the materials that we can use to build upon the foundation that has been laid, which is Jesus Christ. Well, if, if our work is going to be tested by fire, literally or symbolically, is irrelevant to the meaning of the passage. So if our, word is going to be, if our work is going to be tested by fire, well, you know the hay is burning. All right, the straw is burning. It is not going to last. This is the the least consequential, least successful kind of work that somebody might do. It might be something like, if you'll allow me to give an example, uh, you hit the like button on somebody's great Facebook post, and you're like, I hit the like button on that great you know, doctrinal post somebody shared. Somebody really told them the truth about that on Facebook, and I hit the like button. All right, congratulations. <laughs> You've done a great service for mankind. I'm sure all the people in the world that struggle with that issue are going to look and see your name right there in that list of likes, and that's going to change everything. Am I, am I insulting you for liking something good? No, I'm not insulting that. I'm just saying what has that accomplished is the question, and we need to be asking ourselves that question. Is the work that I'm doing for the Lord actually building up the church, or is it not? That is the application question of this lesson that I want all of us in this room to heed tonight. Are you being faithful to Jesus? Well, I hope you are. If you're here tonight worshiping Him, I trust that you are. Any of us in here perfect? No, we, we know that's not true. I'm not saying anyone is. We all got issues that we deal with. But I know everybody in this room loves Jesus and wants to be right with Jesus and you're striving to be faithful with Jesus. That, that is all of us in this room and that is great. That's wonderful. And can you be saved by the grace of God, even if you never do one solid thing that builds up the kingdom? Well, this passage says yes, but it does say that's going to cost you something. It's what it says. It's not what I say. It says you will suffer loss. You'll still be saved, but you will suffer loss. Now, this teaching, in order for us to really grasp this teaching and work our way through it, 
we've got to think about more subjects than I've got time to talk about tonight. Some of them I will continue to develop and continue in, in uh, subsequent sermons in this series. But for tonight, I'm just going to do the best I can. The Bible tells us that all this is going to be tested with fire, and we want to make sure that we're doing work that will not burn up. Now, as I think about that, before I even get to these quotes, which I'm going to read four quotes, and then we're going to get right down to what the controversy is and the application. So there's what's about to happen. Before I get into those quotes, um, let's just uh, think about what it means to succeed in our work for the Lord. What does it mean to succeed? If I spend my nights all of my life, going to people's homes, setting up home Bible studies with them, doing personal evangelism, and I, I am in people's living rooms night after night after night, work all day, work all night in personal evangelism, grab a bite to eat, go to bed, get up and do it again. If I sacrifice every kind of social life in order to do that work all of my life, and man, I study with thousands of people over the course of my life, and sadly, I do the best that I know how to do, the best I can, and nobody ever obeys the gospel, nobody ever comes to Christ, or, or maybe you know, four or five come to Jesus at one point in time, and you start trying to disciple them, and they do not remain faithful. I mean, you tell me, what is that? Is it gold? It, it may seem hard for us to just grasp the truth of this passage because this, this text, 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15, is not for babies. It's not a baby passage. It's for grown-ups. It may be hard you just say, well, I mean, you did the best. Of course you did the best you could. I think the Lord's mad at you for, for that. If you, if you never succeed in reaching people for Jesus, is he mad at you for trying and failing? No, he's not mad at you. This text is not about Jesus being mad at you for failing to build upon the foundation in a lasting way. Now, if you were to say, well, I, I can't, I, I haven't reached anybody, and those that I think that I might have reached, they fell away, and I've done nothing, you know, good for the kingdom, but hey, it's cool, I don't really care, because I know I'm going to be saved anyway, well, then that. That, that represents a statement of, of unfaithfulness to Jesus, of, of a lack of loyalty to his cause. So, so how do you take that person who has worked in that way and turn that into gold or, or silver or precious stones? Well, the, the personal worker's got to start thinking, why can't I succeed in reaching these people for Christ? You've got to start asking yourself the question, am I doing something wrong here? And you start analyzing yourself. You start finding mentors Folks that have been successful in personal evangelism, you say, what am I doing wrong? How can I do a better job of reaching these souls and actually bringing them to faith in Christ? And what can I do to disciple these new babes in Christ to help them grow up? And you, what you do is you spend your, try, your time trying to figure out how to do it right. If you were building a house for your family, would you be content with trash that's going to fall down in the first storm? Well, of course you would not be content with that. So the question is, why would you be content to do that kind of work for the kingdom of God? That's the question here. The issue is not to do the very thing the folks in Corinth were doing, and that is look around and see who looks like they're successful and elevate them and just make sure everybody knows they're the best folks here. If you do that with this text, you're misunderstanding what the Apostle Paul is talking about. He's not talking about that at all. What he's saying is, is this really your life's work or not? Are you, are you with me? Are you tracking with me here? Is this really your heart or not? 
Are you a man of God? Are you a woman of God? Is that what you are or not? Because I'll tell you something I know based upon what the Bible teaches me from Genesis all the way through Revelation, that if you are a man or a woman of God, and I mean you really do belong to Jesus, you are in the school of Jesus and walking in the footsteps of Jesus, he is going to see to it that you do some building upon that foundation that is gold and that is silver and that is precious stones. If you live a lifetime and cannot build upon the foundation in any lasting way, it is your fault. And we're just going to have to sit in that and just let it wash over us and let that do to, to our psychology whatever it needs to do in order for us to get this message. And so, four quotes. These are from great and well-known preachers in the churches of Christ responding to this passage, and I just want you to hear what they have to say. And I have two purposes in, in these quotes. The first purpose is this. I want you to understand that none of the great teachers and preachers among us, in spite of the bad rap we get, have ever used passages like this to teach any kind of works-based salvation. And that's not what this text is about in any way, shape, form, or fashion. This passage is about what saved people saved by grace do with the salvation that they have been gifted with. That's what it's about. Now, when I say that, if you have been in the Lord's church for very long, you know good and well that there are still teachers and preachers among us today in our fellowship today that will stand up in the pulpit or in a lecture in a classroom and say that we contribute to our salvation based on our works, and that is heresy. It is heresy. Just because a well-known person in the Church of Christ says it does not mean it's right. Listen to what Brother H. Leo Bowles said about 100 years ago. Paul is here pointing out that each person will be rewarded according to his own labor. He does not say that one's works are the cause of his salvation, but that they are the evidence of it. The works will be judged and tested by fire, and only those that are genuine will endure. A second quote. This comes from Roy H. Lanier, Sr. The judgment that Paul speaks of here is not a judgment of condemnation, but a judgment of testing. It will reveal the true value of our works, and those that are of lasting value will be rewarded. This is not a doctrine of salvation by works, but of salvation that produces good works. You see what our brothers have been teaching all along? Those that know what they're talking about teach the truth. And unfortunately, we have some folks among us that don't know what they're talking about, and God help them. All right, a third quote, Garland Elkins. The works that are tested by fire in this passage are not the works of the flesh, but the works of faith. They are the fruit of the Spirit produced in the life of the believer by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. These works will endure while the works of the flesh will be burned up. This is not a doctrine of salvation by works, but a doctrine of salvation that produces good works. We're in good company, right? That's the truth. The final quote is from one of the greatest minds in our brotherhood that has ever lived so far. You, you don't have to agree with him, though, but listen to what Brother Thomas B. Warren wrote. He said, The point of Paul's analogy is that there are degrees of reward in heaven based on the quality of one's work on earth. If we build with materials that are easily consumed by fire, our reward will be diminished. But if we build with materials that are durable, our reward will be greater. Now, I believe that Thomas Warren is exactly right. And I believe that that's exactly what 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15 teaches. But because he has mentioned that phrase, degrees of reward, there are lots of folks in the brotherhood that have some issue with that interpretation and believe he's wrong. 
I think because they miss here. But I could be wrong as to the reasons. I think that they're hearing something that the passage isn't saying. I think they're hearing degrees of salvation rather than degrees of reward. And there are no degrees of salvation, nor can there be degrees of salvation. Salvation is a gift, the gift of God's grace to people who equally do not deserve it. That's salvation. There's only one degree of salvation. That's saved or not saved. That's the only degree of change that can be made. But those that are saved, it does not mean that they have worked for the Lord in the same way. It does not mean that they have been equally loyal to him as his followers. It does not mean that they have sacrificed all at the same level. And if we call our God a just judge, why would we expect him to give the same degree of reward that is the same amount of treasure to a person who has lazily, lazily river floated their way through the Christian life? And yes, they've been faithful to Jesus, but they've never taken it upon themselves to do anything for him. Why would he give them the same reward to someone who has suffered, who has sacrificed, maybe even who has laid down his life as a result of persecution? Doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I don't believe it makes a lot of sense to Paul or the Holy Spirit either. But what's being said here is not that anyone is saying, I'm more saved than you, and you'd know it. Nor would anyone who succeeds in building up the church in a lasting way say any kind of hateful, hurtful, arrogant thing like that. Because if you're the kind of person that would say a hateful, hurtful, arrogant thing like that, you're the kind of person whose heart will not enable you to build with gold or silver or precious stones. You cannot succeed in doing the work of Christ with the heart of the flesh or the heart of the world. And that's why this passage is not teaching us that we've got to strive for elitism or there's this secret set of skills out there that only a few believers have. That's not what this passage is teaching. Paul has just concluded in our previous section, the first nine verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and saying, brothers and sisters, the reason why you got strife is because you're trying to outdo each other and compete against each other and get yourself elevated above each other. The people that build upon the foundation of Christ, listen, you know what they build on right they build on sacrifice because that's Christ they build upon unselfish love because that's Jesus that's the foundation they build on putting the needs of others before their own needs because that's Jesus Christ and if that's the foundation you're building on you're going to build solid gold because there's nothing else you can do. Do you get that? That's what Paul is teaching. I want us to look at two passages, three, two, and I'm just going to quote the third. First of all, Mark chapter 10, verse 21, page 893 in your pew Bibles. Mark 10, verse 21. The words of Jesus here. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, One thing you lack, go your way. Sell whatever you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross and follow me. I see this passage as, as Jesus telling him that the degree of his sacrifice will be rewarded. 
If he will give everything he's got, he's going to get everything imaginable. But some folks would say that's not what Jesus means here in this passage at all. They're just saying that, well, if something is holding you back, you better give it up in order to get the one thing that everybody wants to seek to get. So let's go look at Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. Now, I'm not going to read the whole of this parable. I just want to present this before you if you are one of the folks that maybe thinks there are no degrees of reward in heaven. I just want you to consider this, uh, this, this parable and think about what it actually says versus what it does not. Because those that disagree that there are degrees of reward would oftentimes look at this parable as the evidence for their case. Now, this is the parable of the workers in the vineyard. We'll read the first few verses here. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now, when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And, and then we see as the parable goes on, he goes out about the third hour and he finds some folks standing idle in the marketplace. He says, go work in the vineyard. Whatever's right, I'll give it to you. So they went. Again, he goes in the sixth hour and the ninth hour and finally the eleventh hour. We talk about the eleventh hour, right? Uh, this, is, this is where that idea comes from in our figure of speech. Eleventh hour, he goes on and he finds some folks that still aren't working, sends them in the field. And then what happens is that um, at the end of the day, he starts with the folks that came last and he gives them a denarius, a day's wage. And they only worked an hour. And then there's folks that came at the ninth hour and then the sixth hour and the third hour and the first hour. And they, they just keep getting a denarius. But they've already seen the folks that only worked an hour, and they're getting a denarius. And, and now the folks that, that came right there early in the morning, you know, they had worked all day long, they're getting a denarius. The same as those in the 11th hour, and they complain against Jesus. Now, what's going on in the context of Israel here is very important to the interpretation of this parable. Let me say this. Maybe I completely misunderstand 1 Corinthians 3. And if you think I do, then it's your obligation after services tonight to try to straighten me out. All right? Maybe I completely misunderstand it. And maybe this passage does teach that there will be no degrees of any kind in any way, not just in salvation, but in the reward that people receive. But I think the text of 1 Corinthians 3 is unmistakably clear. And therefore, I don't believe this passage is in any way conflicting with it. I think what Jesus is talking about in this passage is salvation, not the treasure that you will have in heaven. And everybody's going to be saved based upon the same terms and the same principles because nobody deserves it whether you get saved early in life or whether you get saved late. And that's the meaning of this parable. But some people come to this parable and they cannot listen to what I'm having to say. And so we come to the final passage of this sermon. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 10. Remember what Paul said? One of the texts that we started this series in. He says that he beseeches us by the mercies of Christ that we all speak the same thing. That we perfectly be perfectly joined in the same mind and in the same judgment. And that there be no divisions among us at all. But how on earth do we do that if we disagree about the interpretation of the passage? Let me tell you this and make a confession and I'm almost done. Let me tell you this and make a confession. Yes, I preach this text because it's the next in the sequence. The whole reason I preach this thing to this point, telling you exactly what I believe the text says, 
but also highlighting the fact that they're good brothers and sisters that disagree about what it means. It's because, brothers and sisters, 1 Corinthians 1.10 does not and cannot mean that every single Christian of every single age, of every single era, of every single background, regardless of your education, regardless of your gifts and talent, must absolutely understand every passage in exactly the same way. That is a ridiculous thought. And it is utterly inconsistent with the whole of the case of Scripture. What it does mean, though, yes, there are some fundamentals of the faith that we cannot disagree on and remain in fellowship. But that's not what Paul's talking about in 1 Corinthians 3. How you understand that we will be rewarded on Judgment Day, whether you understand as I do what I believe Paul is teaching in 1 Corinthians 3, or whether you say, no, 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 it's a parable of the workers in the vineyard. Folks came 11th hour, got the same thing. Fine. I don't care. You know why? Because neither one of us in any way, based upon our disagreement on that passage, are saying anything different to sinners about how they can be saved by the grace of God through Jesus Christ. And if you're not in any way keeping people from being saved, delaying them from being saved, or perverting them once saved, it is not a fundamental of the faith. And don't you dare start a fight with your brothers and sisters about it. That is consistent with the whole message of this book, and that's your lesson for tonight. And this evening, if you need to respond to the invitation, the opportunity is yours. The front pews are open. Come as we together stand and sing. Thank you for listening to this message from God's Word. If you have any questions, please email them to us at office at lavernecoc.org. Once again, we thank you for listening, and we hope you have a blessed day.